You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 37 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, and we're going to talk about how to choose a title for your novel today. So this should be an interesting one because I know you and I have very different techniques, Jesper, on how we choose our, our titles, which will make it really fun for our co-books, but we'll get to that in a minute. For now, <laughs> yeah. It's been um, a kind of a fun week. So for me, I've just actually gotten off the road. You know, I live like in a camper and we travel all over North America and we are finally landed back in Pennsylvania. I'm visiting my parents, which is always fun. And I'm adjusting to waking up in a real bed in a bedroom <laughs> and having family around and not just birds and squirrels. So it's, that's my life right now. But it's so far so good. It's always nice. I'm catching up on sleep. For some reason, uh, even though we slept really well and I love sleeping in the camper, um, just been tired the last couple of days. So Yeah, I think you said you fell asleep on the couch or something like that. Yeah, yeah, which is not like me. I'm not a nap person, but yesterday I could, especially just seeing my parents for the first time in months and months and months, and, and you know, I'm supposed to be like talking and socializing, and I just passed out on their couch. <laughs> oh, my God. How do you, when you're traveling around, how do you actually do laundry and stuff like that? Do you find like laundry laundry mats? Are you, is that what it's called? In, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Is that what you do, or do you have any sort of uh la- laundry possibility in the car or how do we, you do that we actually do both so sometimes well actually there's like three choices sometimes we go to a town with a laundromat uh, and go there we used to sometimes stay at a hotel and often they will have at least a washer and dryer oh yeah okay and some campgrounds especially at canadian uh campgrounds and canadian national parks you guys canada you guys are awesome i don't <laughs> Never hear me not say that, but uh, often the Canadian national parks will actually have a washer and dryer, which American national parks often don't even have a shower. So I can't even tell you how awesome Canadian national parks are compared to the U.S. ones. Sorry, guys. It's true. Um, Why why is that? Do you know? Why why is that difference? I don't know. I don't know if we just have more of them and they're very much, the U.S. ones are very much underfunded. They cannot even keep up with the road upkeep where the Canadian ones, I've been to some of their national parks and they literally have these granite countertop wash stations with under counter lightings where you just can go and do your dishes and they have hot showers. I mean, they're nicer than some place, some luxury resorts I've stayed in. And this is just a little pavilion to do your dishes and hang out and talk. And they often have open fireplaces. I mean, they're just amazing, amazing places. And then the U.S. ones, they're often, you know, struggling to stay open, struggling to take care of their finances, don't even have enough interpreters and park rangers. So hmm. I think it's just mostly budget. Uh, Canada seems to take their national parks really seriously. And they just had their anniversary. I can't remember if it was the centennial or 150 years on their national parks. And they put a ton of money and made all the national parks in Canada free in 2018. And that was, 
I just can't imagine the U.S. doing that. There's one day a year that they, um, they last weekend, I think it was, or maybe it was Sunday, they actually opened up all national parks in the U.S. for free one day versus an entire year. So it's just a lot different approach. And I think there are maybe not as visited. Um, the U.S. ones, there's a few that are really, I've never been to Yosemite. I'd love to see Yosemite. I don't know if I'll ever make it to Yosemite because there's a wait list to get in. <laughs> Wow. But, oh, yes. So the last option, I mentioned I can do laundry in camp. We have something called a scrubber bag, which I think might be out of Australia. I can't remember where the company's from, but it's this cute little plastic bag that looks like, um, you know, an airtight, like a watertight one. And it has these little things in it. You put in, you know, a couple of shirts, water, some laundry detergent. You scrub a scrubber for, like, knead it like it's a loaf of dough uh, for, like, three minutes. Right. And... I cannot believe how well this thing works. When I when Adam first got it, I'm like, you want me to do what in camp? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? And now it's just like, it's completely reversed. I'm like, you want me to go to town and sit there in a nasty, you know, laundromat for right. two hours when I could just be here in camp and go, you know, I'm done in 15 minutes and you hang out your laundry to dry and I'm still talking to the squirrels. So I actually really like it but it doesn't help when you end up with some really like a lot of laundry it just doesn't work you got to be on top of it pretty much weekly yeah i can imagine i mean you don't want it to build up to uh you know a big pile of laundry to do so uh i can imagine that we don't have much clothing with us i mean we are in our current camper the area under the queen size bed is all clothes storage and plus you know we have a few other nooks and crannies where you can toss your jackets and things but yeah, you, we don't have a ton of clothing, so well, you know when you're getting down to your skivvies, you've probably waited yeah. too long. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, and I also, um, well, I, maybe it was while you were driving around, I don't know, but uh, but at some point it was sort of leading up to summer, so it, it's a bit, a while back, so to speak, mm-hmm. but um so you told me to read a book which I read over the summer holidays called Story Brand, and I just I just wanted to bring this up because it was quite funny in the in the way that <laughs> when you when you had read it, then you you said to me that uh, I think actually maybe we should add like a, a tagline for the M writing fantasy website, but we should probably also redesign it. And I was like, uh, a tagline? Why? I don't see any point in that. <laughs> and then over the summer I read the book and it was like oh I'm so with you now I fully <laughs> fully see where you're coming from um, but it's funny so I, I just wanted to to bring it up because actually I think um, for those listening it, it's actually a worthwhile book to read also just in the sense that uh, narrowing down you know as an author why is it that you're writing and what are you trying to achieve and and how could you you know, communicate it to, I don't know, maybe your family, or it could also be to readers, why it is really that you are um, writing. I, I think in that regard, that, that story brand book actually uh, works pretty well too. So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to give that uh, recommendation to listeners here. Yeah, And a big shout out to Gail Scrivener, who uh, with the Scrivener podcast, the Gail Scrivener podcast, she, um, she turned me on to, I think it's Don Miller, it's not Daniel, so I'm pretty sure it's Don Miller, his book, uh, Story Brand. And 
yes, to have read that from, you know, as a graphic artist, but also to have read that as an author, as well as the, what we teach with the I'm Writing Fantasy and our YouTube and everything we do, you suddenly realize how to break down your targeting and your audience and how to say what you're doing and how to kind of figure out what you're trying to do with this, what you're currently marketing, um, even your books. And that was like, oh, wow, yeah, I need to redesign. I ended up redesigning my personal website. And now I once I get some space and time on my hand and I recover more from the road, <laughs> I want to we went to tackle the I'm Writing Fantasy website because, yeah, it really, you suddenly realize how cluttered things are and how much more interesting it can be just to focus on something. Sort of like, you know, no longer have to worry about all these crazy B-roll and stuff with the YouTube. Yeah. I'm so happy to be doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too absolutely. And, and I think... Yeah, as if I don't have enough things to record already, but I, I was actually thinking about may, maybe making sort of a a freeze, uh, not a freeze, what am I talking about? A free, a free, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say, free, a free uh, video course um, that people could get once they sign up uh, via Writing Fantasy to just make things a lot more simple. Uh, we do have a some freebies on I'm writing fantasy today. Like, uh, for example, we have that, um, uh, book price analysis. Yes, that's right. Um, but at the same time, there are other resources out there that goes even into more depth. So, and, and I have some things on my list of things that I'm thinking that doesn't really fit into the other courses that we're going to create, but they are still valuable. So I was actually thinking maybe once I'm done recording all the all the stuff for the world building course that I also have to do, but once I'm done with all that, may, maybe I could do some recording of a a shorter free course that people could uh, get their hands on. You adding something else to your bottom of your never ending? <laughs> no, I can't help myself. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, I know. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Yeah, so actually, we we've sort of been batch recording a bit here because um, yeah, we we just started this um, new format of the podcast, and just in case any of us ever get sick or something should prevent us, we don't want to miss a Monday release. So we've been batch recording a bit, and why I'm bringing that this up is because in the, one of the previous episodes here, we actually asked you guys out there listening if uh, if it's possible to leave comments on the Google Podcast app or in the native Apple Podcast app. And of course, because we're batch recording, we don't know the answers yet. So I just wanted to <laughs> reiterate that uh, if you can please try to um, drop a comment and see if it's possible. And uh, of course, and we have on our end no idea if we're actually going to get notified if you do those comments. So. If we don't respond to it, which I, I promise if I see a comment, I will respond to it. And then you know as well that I saw it. But if we don't respond, then I don't know, hit us up on Twitter or something and uh, say that you left a comment because then at least we know that it's possible. But then we will also know that we can't uh, see it or hear it. But uh, yeah, you actually, the, the link to both our Twitter profiles are in the show notes. Uh, so, so check that out. But I'm still curious to know if it's possible to comment on podcast episodes. Absolutely. It'll be interesting. And I, if we can't see the comments, if they don't come through automatically, I, there's got to be a way that we can log in, you know, respond 
you know, just make a little note on our task list. Hey, you know, at least twice a week, go over and see the comments. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. But but I, yeah, as I said, I don't even know if it's possible for people to leave a comment. So I guess that's hurdle number one. But probably somebody out there could uh, could be so kind to test it out for us and then shoot us a message on Twitter or something to say either I have left a comment or saying I have tried, but it's impossible. <laughs> At least then we know where we are with it. <laughs> and you definitely on Twitter. Uh, me, I'm more on Instagram, but you know I, I've been trying to be good now that I'm off the road that I'm actually checking in on Twitter again. I. It used to be my main platform, and now it's the last one I go to, I admit it. But uh, Instagram, if you're on Instagram, you'll find me there. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of comments, so we actually had a really great one that just came through today that I thought was, it's so universally true, because even with 16 books out, Mm -hmm. uh, actually happens to me too, and that's what I responded to. But uh, Sam went in on our starter kit, which speaking of freebies, that is our current free uh, mini course that can teach you some really good tips, especially if you're a newbie and just starting out writing to make sure that you make it into and through your first novel. And he said on the second one that this helps so much. I have a tendency to get bored towards the middle of my manuscript. With that boredom comes a bright new shiny idea that I latch onto and the process repeats without me going back to a previous story too many shinies in my brain. So when I get bored again, I'm going to try to outline the next few chapters, interview or write a short story with some of my characters to get the boredom gap out. I really like those ideas. Thanks. So that's mm, cool. That is really cool. So one, thank you, Sam. I love the comment. But as I replied to him, it happens. I mean, I'm currently in, um, I was on a holding pattern. We talked about that before I took a couple of weeks off from writing. And now I'm getting back into it. And I'm just not, <laughs> I want to go write something else because I got stuck in it. I got stuck in my life. I got stuck. I took a break from writing and I'm like, oh, I don't like the current setup. I want to do something else. And yeah, you know, this is going to be my 17th or 18th book, depending on which one I release first, because I've got two things going at once. Mm-hmm. And it still hits me. You still have to be, you know, sometimes I told him, sometimes you just have to be the stubborn person in the room and be like, no, I am not going to, you know, get out of this. I'm not going to turn around and and not do this. So I make sure that I stick to what I'm working on because I've made a promise to my readers, but, and it's my business. I'm, you know, professional, so I can't just go chasing rainbows and unicorns, no matter how awesome and pretty and bright and shiny they are. Right. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and I also liked how um, how you asked in the uh, in in the Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group if uh, anyone had um, put some some time aside for um, like a midsummer update of updating any of their back catalog of books with the links to their new books um, because that that's really something that is often overlooked, isn't it? You know, to go back and update those uh, th- those back matters of of our previous books. Absolutely. And I really, uh, some of my, my first epic fantasy series, I haven't, I need to go back and add in my two new releases from the summer. And I guess I'm just kind of putting it off because I've reformatted things a little bit and added a few new stuff, new pieces of back matter to my current novellas. And I want to go back and put it in all the other ones. So it's not as simple as just adding a link. It's all going to take a half an hour and then the upload time. And yeah, okay, this is my first day off the road. I will get to it <laughs> soon. Yeah. So yeah. with that, and I, I also actually loved how, uh, and I know it's going to be so interesting. We have an interesting oh, topic coming up, so let's get going. And on-
on to today's topic. Okay, so how do you choose a title for your novel? That's always a tricky one for me. I I kind of go with a gut instinct feel, but I know there's other techniques, and I know you do something completely different, Jesper. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not because I originally was very uh, scientific about it either. <laughs> I think, you know, of course, for a start, one could ask, you know, how how much does the title and the subtitle really matter? And at least I think it matters a great deal because it conveys the genre to the reader and above anything else, it has to convey the genre. Uh, and I think it's what you just mentioned there is more common than than you think, you know, that authors try to come up with something clever or unique or something like that and think, yeah, that, that, that'll that be good, right? But actually, I would say, no, it's, it's the opposite. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I think when I'm going with my gut instinct, it is to fit the genre and the book and, you know, oh, so, you know, if something's going to have dragons in it, that's great for fantasy. But I also, I do know that there's people even, I've seen it on websites, that's my favorite thing when you're looking through the website menu, and there's something so clever there, and you have no idea what it means. So I do think there's a tendency for books to have really unique, interesting names and words, and sometimes it doesn't tell you anything about them. No, exactly. I mean, I, and I'm guilty of this too, so I'm, I'm sort of... Uh... Uh, you know, acknowledging that fact completely. Uh, when I when I had to name the three books in in my Keystone Bone trilogy, for example, I, I thought that I was really smart, and uh, I I wanted all the all each of the book titles to start with the letter D because then <laughs> I thought that'll be cool, right? So I named them Desolation, Degradation, and Damnation. Those three books, and I thought that was awesome, but. <laughs> But if you weren't listening to the podcast and you knew that we are talking about fantasy, from those titles, you will have no idea that it's, it's a fantasy novel. And so, yeah, it, it's, not a good, it's not good titles, to be honest. And I think I, I actually I should go back and change them and I should also change the covers because I know a ton more today than I did back then. But yeah, you know, time. <laughs> time is also an issue. I was going to say, if we always keep retweaking what we did, but not, you know, at the same time, there are some um, some reasons too. But I know with my first trilogy, it was Born of Water, Rule of Fire, and Spirit of Life. And of course, it was Elemental Magic. So I made sure I had that in there. But I remember telling somebody a couple times, like, Born of Water. And they actually asked if it was religious. And I was like, right. really? <laughs> um, maybe I'm just really out of tune with some religions because I didn't even dawn on me and it still doesn't quite um but again that's just it that's a, in a huge world you're not going to be familiar with everything and you're not going to be able to control how other people will always interpret it but i was thinking of the elemental magic but again i could have probably thrown something else in there and i remember i was trying to be clever too and also thinking oh gosh i don't want to do this is that there's five elements uh in my world right and i should have five books and yeah. <laughs> up with a few other ones like bones of earth and something else for the other air was missing as well. And I'm like, uh, no, it's a trilogy. <laughs> so I'm skipping those two. Yeah. When I did the next trilogy, I, you know, I had a few things in there. I have gates of fire and earth. I have spark of defiance and a new goddess. So only one of them actually mentions elements. 
And the taglines, uh, I went with pretty straightforward taglines, um, epic fantasy adventure and elemental magic, something mm. like that. So it's yeah, just... that's good. That, that, that conveys the genre pretty clearly so people know what it is, right? And I think, I think the titles are more aligned with fantasy as well compared to mine. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I went on to the top 100 bestseller list on, in the fantasy category on Amazon just to sort of check what, what people are saying there, because that's always a, a niche uh, trick that you can apply is to go and say, look at the books that actually sells and what are they titling the books? And so I, I just picked three at random here just to give you and, and the listeners here an, uh, an example, you know, of how you can use the book title to really show what that it is a fantasy book. And of course, in the bestseller list, list, there are the hugely popular ones like The Handmaid's Tale, which is currently number one, and of course, followed by Harry Potter. So I left left those out because that's, I th- felt like, well, we all know those books anyway. So, And then I picked some of the other ones from the top 100. And you get titles like Magic Fury, Dark <laughs> King, and then Chosen. You see? Oh. You see what I mean? <laughs> yes. If if I just told you those titles and you have no idea, uh, you know, what genre we're talking about, I mean, that you didn't know that this is a fantasy podcast, you would probably pretty quickly guess that this is fantasy books, right? Right. And I used to say, I know some of the ones I've read, like Arcane. You you know that's going to be magic and fantasy easily. Right. Exactly. And that, that's exactly my point, right? I mean, the title needs to clearly tell the reader that this is a book for you. And uh, if you being smart about it, like like I was, then you're not telling them that. I mean, a book called Desolation, what's that? It could be anything. It sounds post-apocalyptic to me. Yeah, and then maybe a bit sci-fi-ish could also be, right? Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, so, so don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the weird thing is I always end up repeating myself in do what I say, don't do what I do, because I... <laughs> Along the way, I always learn things to, to do them smarter, and then that's what I'm talking about. And, of course, I never did that myself. So, uh, yeah, learn from my mistakes, I guess. Well, I think that's um, that's part of the reason, though. At least it's part of the reason I started with them writing fantasy and doing it. And my first blogs to other authors was because I have such a tendency to do things the hard way <laughs> and learn by mistakes. And I'm trying to keep other people from necessarily following in my footsteps and maybe just, you know, taking the easy path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope. And that's at least the idea also also from uh, from this podcast that we can we can share our experience and then hopefully people can make a shortcut to uh, and, and not go through all the hurdles and hoops that we've gone through. Um, but I have quite a few tools that I wanted to share with people here as well that, that can help with, with all the titling. But I don't know if I should just jump into all that stuff, Autumn, or, or what do you sure. think? I think so. I mean, I like I said, the only thing I've done other than um, going and randomly, you know, choosing something that feels like it fits my book and sounds a little fantasy or running it by other authors obviously can also help. But, you know, I do know some people who go into, there's a few websites that'll give you some good suggestions for like blog post titles, things that are clickable and that people will like. And I do know some people who do run titles through that, kind of like a title generator to see what comes up and if something sounds even better and more exciting. But those are the only three techniques I've thought of. So what do you have? Okay, so hang on because I have a long, st- long list of stuff here of what of things you can do. <laughs> so uh, 
uh, of course, we, we're going to put links to these different things in, in the show notes. So, you know, you don't have to make notes of this stuff if anything piques your interest. Um, so just check out the show notes here. But first of all, I would say write, write down at least five different titles for your book. And of course, each one have to clearly communicate that this is fantasy. And you can also use your subtitle to get specific, for example, like if you want, um, Autumn said, gave an example before, but you could also just say like a tale of epic fantasy or something like that, you know, just so that it's very clear. And if you're writing, for example, a trilogy or a series, then the same logic applies to the series name that also needs to clearly communicate what the genre is. So if you write down some different ideas, um, then that's a good start. But there is also some online tools that can actually help you out if you find it difficult to come up with something. And there is, for example, one called adassing.com slash book title generator. And again, there will be a link in the show notes. But this one will actually suggest you some possible title names. And the cool thing about this tool is that you pick your genre as well. So it'll try to give you titles that are based on the genre. So that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, as far as I know, it's free, but I, I think you do have to create an account with your email address, but uh, but I think it's, you don't have to pay for it other than that. Oh, good. Um, and then there is also the possibility to use lulu.com slash title scorer, which is pretty cool as well because it actually uses statistical research to give you a score for your title so for example as i said before if you have five titles you came up with you can type them into lulu.com and then it will give you a score on on how good it believes that the title is from a bestseller perspective and that's pretty damn cool and it because it it, because it uses statistical research uh, to back it up so it's it, that that's 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 good it's a good indication at least yeah the scientist in me is like oh i want to go try that yeah exactly so i think that that is cool uh, and of course one should never back away from anything called split testing split testing is always good so again if you have your uh, your different titles uh, you can for example use pickfood.com slash books uh, and that w- that website will actually put your dif- different titles. You can put in like your two different titles and you could pitch them against each other. And then PickFu will put it in front of an audience and let people vote on which one they like the most. So this one will cost you a bit of money to run that survey, but I think it will be well worth it. And uh, and then basically you will get real people voting on which one they like the most. And uh, yeah, that's always good. I kind of like that. That sounds like a lot of fun, which does also make me realize that, hey, I could always just ask the readers in my newsletters to do something very similar and not have to spend the money on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was where I was going next in. That, that is absolutely right. So, of course, if you have an email list, you can just ask people or your email subscribers to vote. Uh, you know, you can even put it into like a like a Google form or something and just ask them to vote and it will cost you nothing, right? But... Uh, I would say though that the you need to have a certain amount of people voting there. I mean, if you don't have at least a thousand responses, then it's not really statistically relevant. So you might end up if you, for example, get let's say a hundred responses, you do run the risk that you might just have hit a very small subset of the market and and they like the particular title, but actually the broader audience wouldn't. So be mindful of that, that you need enough people on your email list if you're actually going to go by their votes, I would say. Uh, but of course, 
if you are losing or using your email list, it has the nice added benefit of it that uh, you know you, you're getting people invested in your upcoming release because they are allowed to start voting on the title and uh, imagine that you then pick one of the ones that the people like, right? I mean, then they're already pretty invested in the book before you even release it. So, so that's an awesome benefit. Yes, I mean, I just asked my newsletters, uh, my readers, uh, which series because I've started two series with two different novellas and. Uh, MailerLite has this really cool survey form that gives you live results and it's just part of their you know newsletter building and so yeah I, I did something very similar and said which one do I write next and oh my gosh it was like 40% to 60 uh, the, it was a 10% difference between which one I should write next so it's kind of wow. exciting to see the results come in and let readers know in the next email which one they chose yeah and sometimes you Actually, I would almost say more often than not, you get surprised about the results that you see because the one you think is the best is not the one people vote for. That's true, but at least I like both of these, so win-win. Yeah, 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 exactly. And of course, you also have an, yet another option. Uh, and uh, I mean, please don't get overwhelmed by all the different uh, tools that I'm mentioning here. And, and uh, that's that, it, my purpose is not to overwhelm you. It's just to give you different possibilities. And you don't, you don't have to use all of them. You, you can sort of pick and choose what you feel most for. But you could also use Publisher Rocket, which is formerly known as KDP Rocket, uh, because there is uh, possibilities inside that software to give you an idea on how well your title will be performing. Uh, on our YouTube channel, there is a an, one of the older videos that's actually giving a review of KTP Rocket, as it was called back then. So you can go and check that out if you're interested. But I think for the most part, I would say that this trick probably works the best for nonfiction titles more than fiction ones. But for nonfiction, at least, if that's what you're writing and trying to make a title for, then I would definitely say that you should try out Publisher Rocket because it's it's really excellent at that. And actually, we tweaked, we tweaked one of our titles on the future plotting book that we're going to release at some point uh, later this year, maybe. Um, we actually changed the title of that based on what KDP Rocket told us, or Publisher Rocket as it's called now. So, so it's definitely useful. Definitely. And of course, that one is, uh, you do have to buy it, but... There's so many things you can do with it. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it'll end up making your publishing life a little bit better if you go for Publisher Rocket. Yeah, then, well, a bit off topic here, but there's so many other benefits of Publisher Rocket, like uh, collecting all your uh, Amazon ad keywords and stuff like that. It makes it a million times easier. And, and I think the nice, the, what I like with the KPD, KDP Rocket or Publisher Rocket is basically that it's a one-time fee. It's not one of these monthly things that you have to pay for. So you pay for it once and then it's yours. Yes, and and I, I really like that. Yes. And and it's not that expensive. I, on top of my head, I think it's $99, but I could be mistaken, but it's not that expensive. No, I think uh, if you're going to publish multiple books, there's a few things out there. And I love you, Publishers Rocket. I love it for the keyword feature, just helping me find which ones I want to use and which ones are going to really help. And I'm not feeling I mean, that, that, that feature alone is worth, worth the money, you know. <laughs> you can spend ages collecting Amazon keywords, uh, but Publisher Rocket doesn't, it does it in half a second. Yes, it becomes more of a, a logic puzzle to me instead of a mind-numbing 
task. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when we were first collecting the keywords and we were sitting there copy and pasting out of Amazon? Jesus oh, Christ, that was painful. It was it was like, okay, I'm going to put aside eight hours to spend on Amazon while I go through every single letter in the dictionary with every, like 16 different keywords. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, it was <laughs> so bad. It's incredible. <laughs> okay, we're totally off topic now. Yeah. Completely off topic, but I guess it's also because uh, that was sort of uh, my uh, inputs on how you can pick your titles for your books. And uh, I think at bottom line here is basically you need to really make sure that you are conveying the genre without a shred of a doubt to the reader. And so, so don't get clever and uh, then split test, split test, split test, and let yeah. the data speak instead of your own biased opinion because. Honestly, we we're usually wrong when we think that we know best as authors. That's true, but what's interesting is like we say words like that. I'm always one to question everything. I think I get it from my dad. So when you say conveying the genre, we have to we should say what is that because I know when some people are like the chronicles of Valderon and to them that is the, you know conveying their genre, conveying their world, but. I like the word chronicles, but is that really, you know, nitty gritty getting it down to what is in the genre? So what words do you think are going to come up with a really good intro? You know, things that really sound like they're going to be a good fantasy word. Like I would say dragons, um, chronicles, magic. What other terms can you think of really quick that might help convey a good a fantasy genre and if you can think of anything you know let us know as you go through the listening to this you know we asked you for some comments so if you happen to come up with some comments that would be fantastic so let us know what are keywords you think of that belong to fantasy and then we'll see you next time when we're going to talk about If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcast and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.